Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Drink it in, man. Oh, Darius, how big are you, young man? How big are you? Drink it in, man. Detroit Kool-Aid, what is going on, Kool-Aid drinkers? We are back, and it's Friday, and I'm here with Grifka to talk about the Minnesota Going in Minnesota, Grifka, what's going on? And just coming down from my sugar rush from all the Halloween candy. <laughs> yeah, man, we knocked out a Kool-Aid uh, Halloween episode earlier this week. We talked all about the Golden Tate trade, so if you didn't check out that show, that's one you got to check out. Lots of hijinks, lots of me and Grifka arguing on that one. But we're here for our normal Kool-Aid cast, talk about a big road game coming off a terrible loss to Seattle. Grifka, what's on your mind this week, Lions-related? Um, just not a whole lot. Just looking forward to this game. I just know one thing. Uh, we seem to be talking this about this guy an awful lot. And I just <laughs> want to put the stipulation out there. It's like, uh, you know, I'm not talking about Ziggy again until, until he hits the field, man. So this is going to be the last time we talk about him. What? Can we agree about this? Because I'm really tired <laughs> of using any time about wasting, wasting time about talking about this guy, hoping for him to come back. So, I just want to. Say, I just want to get your take. Are are you with me on this? No, no, of course not. We're not agreeing to that one because it's our most popular rated part of the show. Is when I bring up Ziggy and you bag on him for ten minutes, and then I support him for twenty minutes. Like the people love it, so no, it can't be the end. And then the other reason it can't be the end is because we're paying this guy seventeen million. He hasn't been on the field. Every Detroit Lions fan wants him out for a sack of potatoes, and I'm like one of the only few guys that's sitting here going. Do you guys realize that if he is healthy for some, you know, crazy reason and that he could actually help our defense and, hey, maybe help us win games, be like getting a free trade or a free free agent. Like, I'm all for it. So, no, I'm, I'm not going on this at all. We're going to bring him up whenever it's relevant, Grifka. So, um, you know, we don't know if he's practiced this week. We don't know if he'll play Minnesota. So we can skip uh, right now, but I'm still hoping he plays Sunday, and I'm going to talk about him whenever I can because we're paying him a heck of a lot of money, and I want him to play, and the people love it. Okay, well let's just let's just dive right into this game because uh, with it being Halloween, we're more focused on you know uh, handing out candy to trick or treaters and uh, eating all their candy. So uh, this is what this is what uh, I want to bring on. up uh, for the people. Can uh, can reasonable minds differ on Ziggy for the time being? Yeah, just for now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're always gonna we're always gonna differ. I don't know if your mind is reasonable, Grifka, but we'll we'll yeah. let it we'll table it for now. So go ahead. Right. Well, let's dive let's dive into this Minnesota game here on on Sunday. Oh, once again, it's uh, another tough division game. You know, first road division game, and uh, Minnesota's probably uh, not too happy coming off a, a home loss against New Orleans. Um, now, uh, we all know Minnesota's past. You know, last couple of years they've been really good defense. They went out there and, you know, got a different quarterback, you know, even though, uh, was it Case Keenum took them, you know, kind of far last year. So uh, what, what do you think? What, what's your take on this uh, Minnesota team? How, you know, how are they d- 
different from you know last year where they were kind of a slugfest team where uh, where they are uh, this year. Well, I know going back to our uh, predictions episode, you know, I think we both had this as a a loss, saying like the Lions have, um, you know, that the record's kind of crazy. I think I heard a, a stat here recently that the Lions, if you just take their division games the last few years, they're like 10 and three in division games or something, if I have that right, which, I mean, I think we've won, what, three out of the last four, at least in Minnesota. So, you know, it hasn't been this house of horrors, if we can use that word after Halloween for the Lions going up to Minnesota. But, I mean, it's not an easy place to play, but it's an indoor stadium, which I always like. You know, Lions are more comfortable indoors with their playmakers. You know, the Minnesota defense has not been anywhere near as daunting as people pegged it to be this year. I mean, they have lots of players over there, but they just haven't been dominating people on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, all things considered, it probably appears that Dalvin Cook will be out again. I mean, that's another one of their big playmakers. So going into this game without breaking it all down right here off the top, like to me, Minnesota is a good football team. They haven't played as well as they probably should have. So I agree with you coming off a loss and in division, they're going to be motivated to get a W and uh, we got to come in with a game plan a mentality and a way to get this dub because I mean, it's a must win in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. I know you don't like that, but uh, this is a must win. I mean, with the uh, loss that Detroit just took at home to Seattle and, uh, this being a division game, the Lions got to win all the division games that they can get, obviously, based on uh, what the uh, number of wins it usually takes to make the playoffs. They're, what, three and four now? That's seven games, and generally you need to go – you need generally ten wins. I don't want to say guarantees you a spot, but your your chances are, are greatly increased if you got ten wins. So that means they have to win seven games to get to ten wins out of the remaining games. So this has to be one of them. And – um yeah, Minnesota's defense hasn't been as, as strong as it has been in the past. I'm not quite for sure what it is. I don't know if it's loss of personnel that um, that has been there. I, it just doesn't seem like they've lost a whole lot of guys to free agency. I don't know if guys are just figuring out – other teams are figuring out how to scheme against them and where, where to, uh, to score on them. But uh, they just haven't seemed as tough as they have in the past. Um, it's, it's one of those things now where uh, – I think this is going to have to be a game where uh, Detroit's going to have to use the run more than than the pass. I, I I still believe Minnesota has a, has a good defensive backfield, even though New Orleans threw the ball in them pretty good. But New Orleans is, has a pass first offense, I believe, even though they have Elvin Kamara. I I think that uh, New Orleans is still a pass happy team, so uh, it, it's hard to hard to slow them down, especially with Drew Brees at quarterback. But um, this, I think I read that stat you were talking about as well, or maybe I read a different one. I think it was put out there by your, by your boy Dave Perkett, or maybe it was Justin Rogers. I can't remember. But over the last five years, Detroit has the best division record out of anybody in the division. Yeah. And, um, and it's, I mean, it's not by a wide margin. I mean, but still, I mean, they have the over the last five years record. I mean, obviously, I think when like Detroit, Green Bay, Minnesota, then Chicago, but Green Bay and Minnesota were pretty close, and Chicago, with the way their teams were of late, were was not nearly as good. But obviously, those division, you know, the division wins mean something, but they're obviously not panning out into things based on we, where we've seen the Lions. So, you know, this being a must-win, needing it to, you know, try to find seven wins out of the remaining games, that they have to win this one. 
Well, let me jump in here for a couple of things. So like, uh, first of all, right off the top, I want to tell the people that have been waiting, that have been just pining, that have just been counting down the moments till it happens. Next week, we're going to debut the Griff Cabell. And I know that people cannot wait for that. I mean, Grifka, you have turned into Jim Caldwell Jr. with your obviouslys and your catchphrases. So we're going to be binging you with the bell all day long, and the people are going to love it. So that's going to be awesome. Secondly, when you bring up your boy, Dave Burkett, don't get me started on him. I'll go on a 10-minute rant. He uh, and others, when they bring up that stat, like how, how terrible is it that we have that stat division? And we haven't really – I mean, we got close maybe a couple times, but we have not won one division still. I mean, that just shows how bad we've been across the board to have that good of a division record and not win a, the NFC North. So, I mean, I think one other thing you brought up that just stuck to my brain is that you said that we're going to have to run the ball or not throw it in this game. You know, Drew Brees didn't even have very good numbers. They didn't throw it too much last game, and they went into Minnesota and beat them. So I think it'd be nice to see carry on get going. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a game where, you know, Stafford has to make up for his terrible game in Seattle and makes a bunch of plays to uh, Marvy, maybe finds a few tight ends. And then uh, maybe maybe you see, which, again, they talked about a lot of me at the last show, this is a game where I'd love to see Kenny just step up and show out and actually be a dominant force. Now, will he do that? And then you keep bringing up their pass defense. Like I'm pretty sure Xavier Rhodes was out against the saints. I don't know what his ailment is, but he may not be playing. And I mean, they have an aging defense. So as long as their pass rushers don't get to us, I think you can throw it and hopefully run it on this defense. Hmm. Okay. Um, are you, well, exci- are you excited to- about the Griff Cabell Griff? Cause I am. <laughs> I don't, you might use it, you might overuse it. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be very uh very conscious of it then and like trying to think of like not seeing stuff. I'm thinking of other things. So Oh man, it's gonna be great. Trust me. it's gonna be a, a classic on the on the Kool Aid cast. So okay. I can't wait. Um I have I have a couple questions here for you because I know we brought up Minnesota's wide receiving core before and um I think some of it has to do with, you know, Adam Phelan's good, you know, or, you know, undrafted guy, puts up good numbers, got good hands. Was it, uh, was it uh, Stephen Diggs, Stephon Diggs, you know, that guy's fast, can stretch the field. But my biggest question is, you know, it's Kirk Cousins. I mean, I, I mean, he's, I've always thought he was decent. I've never thought he was that the guy that could put you on, you know, his back and carry you to, you know, to the promised land. I mean, I, I want to. I'm thinking. You know, is he any good? Yeah, I think he's good, but I don't think he's great. What do you think, Kirk Cousins? You know, does he really help out the Minnesota offense that much? Where you like really, really fear it to go with that wide receiving core that they have? Griffka, I hate to always do this to you, but I mean, you set your own self up for your taglines. Like, you can't say that, <laughs> that Kirk Cousins, some of these guys aren't very good, not that great, and not hit them with it. I mean. Tee it up. Kirk Cousins is what, Grifka? He's not that great. <laughs> there you go. That's that's what the people want. I mean, come on. So uh, I totally agree with you. Like, here's a hot take from me, and people are going to hate this. You're going to hate it because the numbers don't back it up. There is no week. There's no fantasy draft. There's no nothing where I walk in and I'm excited about Adam Thielen. And you give me this story, oh, he came from nothing. On, I don't know if he's undrafted, what his situation was, but 
Yeah, undrafted. He keeps putting up numbers. He keeps scoring touchdowns. I walk into this Sunday and just go, oh, they have Adam Thielen. Okay, like, how are we going to stop Stefan Diggs and some of these other players? You know, keep Kyle Rudolph out of the end zone. So, like, he may torch us, but he still does not. I don't know how he puts up these numbers or does what he does. So, that's my take on Adam Thielen. Second of all, you're talking about Kirk Cousins, I think, is who you threw it to me on. Like, Kirk Cousins, here's another hot take, Grifka. I'm just full of stuff today. I had a talk with another buddy, and we're just like, you know, Matt Stafford supporters, but we're going, you know, Matt Stafford's a talented thrower. He's a talented quarterback. Is he going to win when the lights are brightest? Is he going to take us to the promised land? Is he going to be extraordinary rather than ordinary? Like, I'm starting to think, unless Matt Stafford shows me otherwise in the next two, three, four years, that he may be just on equal footing with a guy like Kirk Cousins, who, you know, Kirk Cousins puts up numbers. He's better than advertised, but he's never won anything. He usually doesn't. He has a few comebacks on his record, but nothing extraordinary. You know what I mean? Like, I hate to put him because I think Matt Stafford's way more talented, but I'm not a Kirk Cousins fan, but I'm sad to say that unless Stafford really steps up his game, he's kind of falling in that category of like mid-level good quarterback that will never win anything and that puts up empty numbers sometimes. What do you think about that? I don't I don't even know if Kirk Cousins in my book is like mid-level quarterback. I mean, I think he's just another guy. I realize he played in Washington for a couple of years on the uh, – on the, was it the franchise tag, but those teams never really did anything with him. There, there has to be a reason why a team's not like, you know, oh, yeah, he balled out under the franchise tag. Let's just franchise him again, see if he can do it again. You know, obviously there's like a lot of non-believers out there, and then Minnesota's like, well, he's better than Case Keenum. You know, yeah, you're right. I, I mean, obviously we've seen what Case Keenum's done in Denver this year, but uh, I, I think Kirk Cousins, he's just another quarterback, to be honest with you. I don't. I don't. I never really thought he was that great a guy. I never thought he was like a guy you were going to want to build your offense around. And obviously, Minnesota took a chance on him, thinking he could, you know, lead him somewhere because, you know, it was always kind of like was it Super Bowl or bust, you know, with where they were at last year. So I, I, I just, never, I'm just, I just don't get excited with Kirk Cousins. You know, it's like one of those guys that was like the Lions signed Kirk Cousins. Great. I, I guess I feel the same kind of way like after they signed John Kitna. You know, just like, okay, that's okay, I, I guess, you know, but it's kind of the way I feel about Kirk Cousins. But here's my so, hot, here's my hot take. And the reason I brought it up is because like, like, I'm curious where you still put Matt Stafford on the pecking order because like for years and years, and I'm still a big supporter of number nine, but when you really break it down, like in a weird way, there's sometimes where I have that feeling about Matt Stafford. It's like, oh yeah, you know, there he is again. There's our our quarterback, but is he, is he elite? Is he dynamic? Like Kirk Cousins to me, Grifka, I mean, this is a game where I can see him slicing and dicing us. I mean, we haven't been very good when we don't get pressure on the quarterback. So if we can't get after their O-line, which we should be able to, but if we can't get to the quarterback, I could see Kirk Cousins just standing back there and, and throwing balls to his, his uh, two main receivers and his tight end all day. So I don't think he's yeah, great, but I think, but I think I, that yeah, he's he – yeah, He's not he that can, great. He can, he, can, he can win games, there's no doubt. 
I think that's almost any pro quarterback, if you don't get pressure on him, can stand back there and and uh, win games. I think the difference between Kirk Cousins and Matt Stafford is, I mean, we've seen Matt Stafford throw teams on his back and just, you know, carry him to victories. And, like, everybody's like, oh, he pads his stats. But, you know, there's years where he has just a bunch of – yeah, he does have a bunch of comeback victories. And I don't know if Kirk Cousins is that guy. It's just like he's going to bring you back, you know, from, you know, eight comeback victories. I don't know if Kirk Cousins is that guy. So I would rate Matt Stafford at least maybe a top 15 guy. But I don't think Kirk Cousins is better than him. I mean, I guess it depends on how big your buckets are of, like, where you put guys. I mean, yeah, there's the elites, you know, the Tom Brady's, the Aaron Rodgers, the Drew Brees. But then I think there's quite a drop off there. And I remember, was it not too long ago, everybody was like, oh, Eli Manning, you know, he's like a top, he's a top eight quarterback. And I mean, really, Eli Manning? I mean, would would you trade, you know, you know, a jug of Gatorade for Eli Manning right now? So I, I guess it, once again, just depends on how big the buckets are. I mean, I, I still think Stafford could carry this team somewhere. I, I think he's better than Kirk Cousins, but I, I would probably call him a top 15 quarterback. That's where I'm sitting on Stafford. Yeah, like I said, I don't want to turn this totally into a Stafford thing, but I just think that you said comebacks, but to me those comebacks are in September. Those comebacks are in November. You know, not when they really matter against the top teams. They're just kind of mid-season, early-season type comebacks. Like, I, I want Matt Stafford to win games in December. I want him to win these big division games like this Sunday. And I think that, what I was saying about Cousins is like I don't love him as a player, but I can see him being I mean, see him being much better than Case Keenum and he tore it up in Minnesota. I see us like having to account for this guy and and I'm not just gonna write him off because like you say, somehow every week Adam Thielen has a hundred yards and that's gotta be coming from Kirk Cousins and they have no running game. I think and I know you're gonna get to this, but I think if the Lions wanna win and dominate this game you know, the Minnesota line has some injuries and isn't very good. And we should not let Latavius Murray hurt us. He blew us up a year or two ago or what he have a game on Thanksgiving. I think it was, that was just embarrassing. Yeah. Like we got to shut him down and then we can deal with our receivers. And then like you said, if this isn't a Kenny game, this needs to be a carry on game. I feel like we say it every week, but I'd love to feed it to him and see him take us on it on his back too. Yeah. So, with with uh, us talking about it being a candy game or a uh, carry-on game, do you think this game's going to have to be just, you know, purely on the offense to win it? Is it going to be like one of those shootouts? Or I know before we had talked about this, maybe this being like sort of a slugfest game. And uh, we both kind of agreed that the Lions don't have the defense for it to be a slugfest where they win, you know, 14-10, you know, 13-9, something like that. So is this one completely on the offense that's just going to have to be a shootout and just outscore them, you know, like a, a 35-32 game, 32-28 game, something like that? Normally, like every other week, I mean, I've been predicting like these 30-point scoring efforts by our offense and our offense has to come out hot, start fast. Our offense got to put up points. Matt Stafford has to lead us. Like, I still think they're going to have to play well in this game, but – I'm turning it back on the defense again because I think they were so bad against Seattle that they've got to play mid to upper tier. I mean, when I say upper tier, like upper tier for this Lions defense, not like in the NFL, but they've got to play one of their better football games for us to win games, and the offense has to do what they're expected to do. So I, uh, I'm i putting this more on the defense, playing much better, much more sound in the run game. 
and then not letting a guy like Kirk Cousins stand back there like we let Russell Wilson and just throw little passes, hit us on play action. You know what I mean? Like, it was just – it looked – to me, the game against Seattle, like, I remember watching the game thinking, this looks like a glorified practice. Like, they're just going through plays. There was no, like, NFL intensity I didn't feel like. You go to Minnesota, man. You got to shake it up on defense. You got to bring the house. And uh, we can't let them stand back there and pick us. So I'm calling out the defense. And, uh, yeah, Matt Stafford needs a rebound game too, but he needs a defense to pick him up. And then uh, the run game can always pick up our quarterback too and just grind him out. That's how I'd love a grind out game, to be honest. Just, uh, you know, give our predictions in a bit, but a low scoring effort where we just outwill them. Yeah. I'm going to have to differ with you on that. I think the offense is going to have to outscore him because I don't know if the Lions have enough to be able to get to Kirk Cousins, you know, with pass rush or, you know, we've seen lesser running backs and offenses, you know, tear up our defensive line and, you know, just gash them on the run game. So I think this one's going to have to be an offensive game where you start out hot but stay hot and just, you know, keep the pedal to the metal and you're out, you know, gunning the ball around and you're going to have to throw up some points to win this game on the road up in Minnesota. I, I still don't believe the Lions have a defense where it's going to be a slugfest, low scoring game. I think they're going to have to, uh, they're, they're really going to have to throw up some points. And for that to happen, the offensive line is going to need a bounce back game. They were just, they were just terrible against Seattle. And um, for, for, it seemed like how many steps forward they took against Miami it's like it seemed like there was more steps back about how bad they looked against Seattle, and Seattle's defensive front seven. I mean, their their, their defensive line's okay, but it's not. I wouldn't call them a world beater by any stretch of the imagination. They have some decent guys on there, but that offensive line looked terrible. So I think the offensive line is going to have to have a big game here, where we're just you know we're just full throttle, full speed ahead. You know, caution to the wind. It's a must-win game at this point. I mean, yeah, they're not technically mathematically eliminated, but you're three and five. I mean, once again, you're going to need, you know, every time you lose, you have to hit that 10-win plateau. You know, every, every loss, you know, it's one more win. you got to win somewhere down the road. So you th- you, do you think the offensive line can bounce back in this game, you know, facing Minnesota? Um, hmm. I, I was real disappointed, again, just added to the list of, of them against Seattle. I didn't I didn't see the pass protection. I didn't see the push. I feel like I heard Taylor Decker late in the game got dinged up. So as much as everybody says he's not having as good of a year as he did, I mean, he's a crucial piece to our team. As a, what we thought was a solid left tackle. He's kind of had a rough year, and now if he's hurt, that's going to be rough. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm just thinking about their defense off the top of my head. I mean – you know, they got um, – Griffin came back. Who's their other rusher? Why is his name escaping me right now? The guy they paid big money to. It's escaping me as well. I can't remember. Oh, man, that's embarrassing. But uh, so they got they got two good rushers off the edge. And then, like, to me, where Anthony Barr is his worst this year is if you put him in coverage. But we don't really have a tight end that can stretch him. And then, you know, some of our other players are more outside guys now. So – you know, I think if Anthony Barr is allowed to roam and rush and blow up the run game, he's a beast. And then uh, you got Harrison uh, uh, on the back end. Uh, Harrison Barnes? <laughs> I'm just kidding, not Harrison Barnes. Yeah, they. Uh, it's going to be tough. Like, I, uh, I, I don't know. You know, I, I think that 
the whole line I want to say would have a bounce back, but I don't know. This is a great opponent to have a bounce back against, but you know, if they don't, you know, Stafford, I don't think has been very good when he's under pressure and, uh, that's going to hurt our run game as well. So it's a big game for the O-line. Will they step up? I mean, to me, that's TBD. Wait and see. Yeah. I I, I think the offensive line, I think they can. I mean, this – this uh, I know I'm bringing them back, but this Minnesota defensive line, yeah, they got Everson Griffin back. But the rest of the line, I still don't think they're like the purple people eaters. I mean, I know that's, you know, bringing up this old school for you guys, but uh, – Daniel Hunter, I, think, I didn't even Google it, but Daniel Hunter's the other beast. Oh, okay, and yeah, but um, yeah, I th- I think the offensive line, they, I I don't think they're going to be as dominant as they were in Miami, but I think they can be better than what they were against Seattle. So I think they're going to have to have some sort of bounce back game, you know, to be able to uh, be able to uh, pull this one out. I mean, with that being said, I mean, I know you were looking for some sort of low low scoring slugfest. Uh, what uh, what are you prognosticating for this game? What, what what do you foresee as the outcome? Oh man, it's a uh, like I say, this Detroit Kool Aid cast, uh, and I'm Mister Positive, so I got to skew that way. I mean, it hasn't been. You know, we're still here at the end of the week, so it's been a little while since that Seattle game. I mean. I just feel like it's a must win. I feel like that, you know, we're playing Chicago two times in three weeks, but none of that even matters much if you go and just lay an egg in, in Minnesota. So, I mean, if if I get to call this game, I feel like the Lions come with a burr under their saddle, you know, just uh, f- frustrated, you know, just kind of wanting to redeem themselves. Everybody will be picking the Vikings. I'm sure it'll be rowdy there. I feel like it's a grimy game. I feel like it's a, you know, 17-14, 13-10 type game. And oh, I'm going to, I'm just going to drink the Kool-Aid and uh, I'm going to take our Lions, pulling one out after one they lost, they shouldn't have. And uh, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be 17, um, you said 17-14, like, I don't know, geeks. Yeah, give me that 17-14 score. Like, I I just think our defense gets a few turnovers. We're well overdue for that. And uh, just enough offense, even though it's going to look ugly, and we're going to get it done. Well, I guess I wasn't foreseeing that. Now, uh, I mean, you said low-scoring slugfest. Now, I said the offense is going to have to come and win in a shootout. I mean, Minnesota, there's been a few games this year where Minnesota's thrown out some points, and uh, they, like you said, the defense hasn't been as stout as it's been in the past. So, hold know, on, Detroit hold on. Score some points as well. Let me break in on you, Griff, because I wanted to ask this, and you just brought it up again. Talk to me and talk to the people about you saying that the offense has to come win this game, or that the offense is going to win it. When you spent like 20 minutes arguing with me about how the season was over and how they can't do anything because Golden Tate is gone, like. Like, fix that into your answer or talk about that for a minute because it sounds like you're high on the offense doing things where you were just the world was over on the, on the other day when we recorded. No, what I'm saying is that the offense is going to have to win this game because I don't think they can win a defensive slugfest. I mean, I, I can't see Detroit winning this game 14-10, 17-13. I can't see that. The offense is going to have to be the one to come out and uh, – you know, score a bunch of points to win this game. I mean, they, they're going to have to win the game like 32-28 or something like that. 
Now, do I see that happening? No, I, I don't. I mean, I, like I said before, you know, losing Golden Tate, you're, that's, you're taking a key cog away and it's you're, you're game planning without him. Yeah, like what if you got injured, something like that. But no, I, but, I don't see that happening. I but see would you like it to happen? Able... Would you like What's it that? to happen, Grifka? Would I like it to happen? Yes. Is it going to happen? No. Uh, but uh, Minnesota can throw up points. I, I think Detroit is kind of reeling one, you know, losing one of their better players that was well-liked on the team. And everybody's going to – it's a business. We understand it's a business. But, I mean, for – they came home against Seattle and were unfocused. And now they have to go on the road to a tough place to play and win, you know, with trading one of the one of the offensive cogs. And um, the run defense still not quite right. I think Minnesota's going to throw up some points. And I think, you know, we talk about, you know, 10 points being a lot in the pros. And you're like, sometimes you got to shoot high. I can see Minnesota winning this game probably 32-17. I'm going 32-17 Minnesota in this game. Oh, man. This is when I throw you off the show, Grifka, for a prediction like that. Are you kidding me? You got us getting blown out in Minnesota. Just because yep. we lost a game and because you're negative Grifka again? Come well, I can't on. drink the Kool-Aid. Hey, like I've said before. What do you mean you can't drink you, the Kool-Aid? You're on the podcast. Sometimes you just got to step back and realize your team is not as good as the team you're facing. And, uh, <laughs> you know, for for the times they showed up against, you know, New England and Green Bay, there's also when they showed up against San Francisco and home against Seattle. So, uh that's a uh, I'm I'm going Minnesota big this uh, this week. Any anybody that wants me to kick Grifka off the show, you can hit me up on Twitter at Detroit underscore Kool Aid. Cause uh, come on, man. Like I mean, it could happen, but like, did I even really need to ask for your prediction, Grifka? Because it was totally predictable for the people that the Lions are coming off a bad loss. You're sour about the trade for whatever reason. We knew you were going to come in here and give them a big L because the season's over and this team's no good. You said that in week two also. I remember you going on a rant saying, okay, this team's just not great. They're not that good. They're just not. And then they go on a, a rip a few off and you were back. You had them in the playoffs. I remember last podcast, you were like, this team can win the division. They can win 10 games. And it's just like, yeah, you just flip-flop, no matter, yep. depending on what happened the week before. Well, that you know what happened the week before, and uh, losing one of their offensive cogs, I don't, uh, I don't see them uh, winning this game. <laughs> okay, well, if they get blown out the way you said, I'll uh, come to my cat. But the Kool Aid drinkers are going to be after you because that's not what we do on this show. But uh, there okay. you go, folks. Grifka with a huge blowout and the Vikings scoring a ton of points. Me in a grimy, nasty NFC North football game with our Lions coming out on top. Woo. Okay. Well, let's, uh, now that we have those in the books, uh, let's kind of move on. There's a few things that have been sticking in my head that have really been affecting this team all year. And I uh, just want to get your thoughts on them and, uh, you know, see what, see what you think. Uh, my first question to you, I mean, this is just me and you, this isn't from any of the, any of our, our fans or anything. Um, for some odd reason, the special team has been really bad this year. You know, I mean, what's up with the special teams? Do you think it's coaching? Do you think it's the back-end talent on the roster not as good? What do you think is leading to, like, you know, either bad kickoff coverage, the penalties, you know, stuff like that? I mean, what do you, what's your take on that so far? I mean, I think it's pretty plain and simple. Like, there's probably a few coaching things that need to go on or maybe some tightening up in some areas. But 
to me, it's just the garbage NFL where like you can't have a kickoff or a punt nowadays without at least one flag, usually multiple flags. I mean, again, I got to say it every week. You could throw a penalty on almost every play. There's always holding across the board. And just every kick, they're calling a holding or a a block in the back, even when it doesn't impact the play. I mean, they just got to get out of here with these flags. I mean, keep them in your pocket. But, uh, you know, to me, I I feel, too, like uh, Matt Prater's been better. He had a few field goals uh, two games ago that were impressive. He didn't get a shot last game. But, I mean, I feel like he probably has his mojo back a little bit. And uh, don't even get me started on Sam Martin. Every time I look up and I feel like he's going to do something, he's shanking one or just not, you know, kicking it. I feel like we got to be on the lookout for a new punter here at some point. I'm just – I don't feel like this guy's consistent enough or he's just kind of aloof in the big moments, and that's not what you need from a, a punter. So, I mean, yeah, the special teams has to get better. I don't feel like they've cost us games, but I feel like they've taken a few big plays either off the board or backed us up, and it's partly on them, and it's, and it's partly on these refs, man. It's just ridiculous. Do you think maybe part of the special teams is, uh, I mean, with the way the uh, – was it the uh... – was the, the agreement between the uh, NFL and the players union is that I, I know I've read this before and I've heard it that with here comes coaching, a conspiracy. Go ahead. Well, no, I mean, no, it's not a conspiracy that teams that they only get so much practice time. And so teams are more focused on, you know, trying to, you know, perfect, you know, get the offense and defense down where they don't, you know, practice special teams as much. Do you think maybe that has anything to do with it? I don't that everybody know. just kind of expects expects oh you you know how to kick off you know how to, you know defend kickoffs in high school you knew how to you know you know defend kickoffs in college so they just think you know it's like oh well, you know there's nothing really to it or you know there's something to it just but you, you've done it for so long it doesn't take all that much um, do do you believe that or or no I I don't know I mean to me it, I don't know there's not much to it like uh, you know kick it you run down you defend your guy without grabbing his jersey and pull him to the ground if you see a guy's numbers and his nameplate you don't hit him in the back like I think it just comes down to you know overall execution and yeah you could practice it all day but I think it's a part of the game people always say it's one third of the game I just feel like it's a it's a side portion of the game there's not a ton to it you know uh block the guy whoever you're supposed to to block, you know, these returners. For me, it's almost like just run forward and get a couple yards and go down so we don't get a 10-yard flag or, you know, a block in the back issue. So I I don't know that it comes down to practicing it. These guys should know it. It's just probably more personnel. And, and again, the refs just being too picky on some of this stuff, I think. But we'll see. It it, You know, hopefully it hasn't cost us games, but it's been a negative for a couple games. There's no doubt about it. Okay. Um I guess my next question is, uh, I, I know I hear this a lot, you know, we always discuss it, this guy's on the field, because obviously the coaches see something in practice, but at this point in the season, who do you think is really better, Nevin Lawson or Tease Tabor? They both seem to get beat, like, you know, uh, you know, on, on like, any time a ball's thrown their way, I, I don't see too many, you know, pass defense by these guys, they always seem like, like you said, they're, they're, they could be interceptions, but they're, they're beat by the offensive guy that's just taking the ball away from them, or they seem to uh, two or three steps behind both of them. You know, we all talk about does, you know, T.T. more speed, but at this point, who do you think is better? You know, do, do you see any upside with Tabor or is kind of like 
he is what he is or, you know, his law is never lost and he's out there because he's been around. Is there a choice C, Grifka? <laughs> well, we can't trade him. That's already passed. And I don't think it would give up anything for either one of them. <laughs> I think both these players are definitely struggling. Uh, <laughs> just, uh, both have been terrible. I mean, here's my thing. Like, it's happened way too much when I'm watching a Lions game. I look up, and there's a flag on a pass play, and it's always number 24. Like, and I'm just like, Nevin Lawson again? Are you kidding me? Like, I feel like this guy's a pretty good athlete. He wants it. Like, every time he does an interview, I'm like, oh, man, this guy loves football. He cares. He's, like, working hard. And I see him on Sundays either getting roasted or getting, you know, grabbing the guy or never can find the football. I don't know how many picks he even has. I bet he only has maybe one or two picks his whole career, and the ball probably found him more so than the other way around. Like, he's just not been good. And then I know I tried to stick up for T's again because he's a draft pick, and I thought he was going to be a ball hawk. Like, I knew his speed was – man, he's got great football instincts, and I thought he was going to be able to jump routes or play zone in certain areas and make plays. Talked to him. I was like, "Tease, man! When are we gonna start jumping routes and making plays?" And he just kind of laughed and said something stupid. And so I'm starting to get to the point where like he's not producing on the field. His speed is becoming an issue because he's not getting picks. So like he's getting to the point where he's a liability out on the field because of either he doesn't fit our defense or his his instincts aren't translating to NFL level. So. I mean, who's better? Neither. I, I don't like either of these guys right now on defense. I heard a, another buddy of mine was like, had a good thought. We were kind of talking about these two guys or frustrated with them. And he said, you know what it should do is just get get Diggs back to playing corner and uh, give Tracy more of a role back on the back end and put uh, Tavon Wilson back there. And, like, I like that as an idea, just bump tees and loss him to, like, next man up or – you know, kind of down the depth chart a little bit. So, I mean, I'm not a fan of either of these guys. If I have to roll the dice, I mean, I guess I'd roll it on, on Nevin Lawson. But, like, I, I don't like either of them being out there for us a ton. They just have not been good. Yeah, I guess if I had to, if I was forced to pick one, it was just like, okay, these are the two guys you got to start one. Uh, I would go with Nevin Lawson as well. I mean, I would I would have to, you know, Say when they when they drafted Tabor, I was kind of excited. I'd watched him at Florida. It seemed like he had the ball skills. It's like, oh yeah, like yeah, he's a little slower, but uh, you know his his uh, his instincts and everything will make up for that. But it just doesn't seem to be seem to be panning out. And like you said, Lawson it seems like every time somebody throws the ball at him, he's either you know two steps behind or he's getting a penalty called on him that uh, either continues a drive or you know, gives the guys a first down. So, yeah, if, if I had to take one, it, it would be Nevin Lawson. But if if both of them were cut, I wouldn't be sad to see either one of them go. Yeah, so you tend to, tend to agree with me. Next question. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> sticking with the defensive backfield, um, I, I, I know we brought him up earlier and we thought maybe something might change during the year. Maybe it's just because it was, you know, the start of the season. But do you really think, you know, age is finally either catching up or is it finally caught up to GQ simply because during the game, during the game last Sunday, I know at one point he, he went to make a, a pick and it, it's, it got by him and Chris Spielman <laughs> even mentioned that it looks like this year, he's like a step or two slower and he would have had that pick in the past. 
do, do you think it's finally caught up to him and his, his you know savvy veteran instincts are can only only take you so far <laughs> oh man let me answer this in a couple ways first of all you bring up that play in particular is he a step slow like to me we've been over this Grifka like in an NFL game, you know, these guys aren't going to make every play. I felt like he read that well. He was there. I mean, the ball, from what I remember, was thrown nicely right up over his head or got there before he did. I mean, to me, it wasn't he dropped a interception or bounced off his hand. It was just he didn't get there in time. But I don't know that it was a step slow type issue on that play. So I'll say that. But secondly, like if anybody wants a, a Glover Quinn uh, game cut jersey out of my collection, it'll probably it's probably going to be on eBay here in the next couple of days because uh, – I see the end coming for, for GQ. I think that something about either his passion or just, like you said, maybe just his overall athleticism has fallen off to where, I mean, I'd really love to see what we have in Tracy Walker. You know, is he a ball hawk? Is he a guy that can can roam that back end? I mean, it might be a little early to get him out there, but I think that that's where this is all trending. Of He'll be the GQ next year and then uh, – you know, they'll either bring somebody in to play opposite of him or to me, Diggs is a little bit little to be back there, even though I like his instincts. So I think there's a change in the guard coming at our safety position in general. And I mean, overall, I haven't been impressed with GQ, but most of them haven't been like a lost step other than like when he's been chasing down guys is where I've noticed it. You know, he'll have an angle on a guy and the guy just still runs past him, but I feel like he's sort of been where he needs to be most coverage. It's just he's not making those splash plays. And sometimes turnovers come in bunches, you know. I feel like he got a lot of tipped balls and a lot of interceptions those first couple of years, and they're just not coming now. So I I just think, you know, we'll be moving on pretty soon. He's a great player, loves what he's done, almost like Golden Tate, you know. Can't take away anything that he's done, but time's coming, and it's probably about time to start looking for another option back there. Okay. Um, one last question for you. Um, I know we want to give the guy some time and, you know, being as, you know, first time as a coach, but, uh, you think Matt, Pat, Matt Patricia is learning some hard lessons as being, being the, uh, head coach this year. I know there's times when I'm watching the game and I'm just like, you know, how come you're not calling a timeout? And, you know, uh, you know, you kind of wonder like the, either offensive play calls, you know, things like that, or you know, times at the end of the half. Do you think, do you think his learning curve as the head coach, you know, um, he's got some really tough lessons that he's learning. Uh, definitely. I mean, I think that it's like with any person, you go into a new job or a step up at your, from where you current, where you were previously, like it, there's some time to learn the position, learn the people. I think that's what he's going through. I mean, in game situations, there's been a few head scratchers, but they weren't head scratchers in the way of Jim Caldwell, where I just felt like he both didn't know, wasn't smart enough. Whenever, you know, Matt Pat's making a like choice. I'm just thinking, Hmm, like maybe he knows something I don't, or he's been in lots of big AFC championship games and, and been learning under the tree of Bill Belichick. So there has to be some type of reasoning of why he's not doing what he's doing or more so than he just doesn't know. So I, I think the hard lessons are coming in like, hey, when you're head coach, you have to deal with a lot of BS that you don't have to as a coordinator. Hey, dealing with the media sucks a lot of times. So you guys got 
got guys like Grifco's favorite guy, Dave Burkett, asking these ridiculous, dumb questions or thinking that they know football better than this guy who's got a bunch of Super Bowl rings. So I think those things are hard. But the in-game stuff is just like, hey, you know, we're not talented yet across the board to, you know, win games or make up for some of the mistakes. And, uh, and yeah, it's his first run through. So that's why I keep telling people to have a little patience or calm down. Like, it's not like this guy was a head coach for 10 years and now we brought him in. This is his first year as an NFL head coach. And, uh, but he has a lot of great experience under a winning organization. So give him a little bit of time to learn the head head man job. And then we should be much better off. And he's basically best buddies with our GM, which makes a big difference too. So um, a couple hard lessons, but overall, I think he's done well. He rebounded the team after what could have been a disastrous start. And now he's going through some losses, which last time I checked in the NFL, you lose games and teams that make the playoffs are nine and seven, 10 and six. So you don't, you don't win them all. Okay. Yeah, I would ha- I would have to uh, agree with you. Get your bell out, but uh, yeah, it's just next uh, week, people. Yeah. So, like I said, I, I sometimes I wonder. It's like, how come you didn't call a timeout there? Or why didn't we do this? Or you know, why you let the clock run out and just happy to go to the half? You know. So, like I said, hopefully it's one of those things. Uh, you know, I'm still you know in his camp. I hopefully he gets enough time to uh, get it uh, get it figured out. We can actually see the fruits of all this. But uh, I would. Uh, I would go with you, but, you know, not, you know, when you're just a coordinator, you, you know, you get, you might, you might get your name in the paper, but it's still going to be the head coach. that has to answer all the questions. So, yeah. um, with that being said, that's all the questions I really got for you. Uh, you know, uh, how about, uh, we get this wrapped up and get out of here. <laughs> yeah, we'll do. Uh, thank you everybody so much for continuing to check out the podcast. We try to give you some humor, some, again, mostly just talk football. We're not going to bore you with a bunch of, bunch of ads or a bunch of um you know nonsense we're just here to talk lions football have a bunch of fun me and griff could have get into a few arguments a few scraps here or there and then uh get on to the next week so this is an important week everybody uh you know coming off a bad loss everybody just be positive drink that kool-aid and be uh be ready for a big big game in minnesota you know road game tough environment you know it's gonna be a, a coin flip you know what lions team shows up you know, is it run game? Is it pass game on the offensive side of the ball? And on defense, can we stop the run? Um, can we hold down Adam Thielen of all people, which nobody else has been able to do? So I'm real excited for them to kick it off. I think it'd be another great game. So everybody, uh, check us out. Hit subscribe on iTunes, drink it in, and we'll be back next week for the Detroit Kool Aid cast. Take care, everybody. This Sunday, I'm going to give you what you crave, what everybody here craves. Drink it in, man.